Blog Talk Radio. 1841. Today, waiting on my um, sister Makeda to come on and jump on. You were listening to Nas One Mic. Why so dope? Everybody tells me, Yango, man, you got to step your game up. You got to update your music, man. Come on, man, step into the times. I'm like, look, the, it's the messages in it for me. One mic, one voice. Stand up and say something. If you don't feel like you're in the position to do anything else, at least be vocal about the conditions, uh, the injustices, the things that are going on in your nation internationally, but specifically I'm talking about right there that affects you directly, immediately, in your face, slap on, touch it. And that's why this show is so cool, because we have the brother on, man. I'm blessed again to have the brother come back and, and, and grace us with his presence on the show. We're talking about our brother, Brother Columbaye, uh and and the next, I, I may be doing some, some injustice to the last name, but we're talking about our brother Columbia, man, who is running for Alderman, Third Ward Alderman in St. Louis. All the person, all the person, pardon the body, running for Third Ward, all the person uh, in St. Louis. And I mean, and when he was on the last time, I was excited about some of the plans he had for the ward, uh, some of his ideas. But now to have them on, now more so is very interesting because if you haven't, if you're not up on what's going on, if you haven't been up on the news, it's going dizzy, dizzy down in the loo town, real talk. Uh, and those are my cousins, man, because I'm from Louisville. I think anywhere we've got a loo in it and we got them double R's, come on, come on. You got you to gotta watch us cats. Well, um, one of the things that's typical from oppressed people, man, is just the oppression. I believe I'm being biased here because I have been a hostage of the state. I've been a political prisoner, and I know some of those conditions could be very inhumane. We're just we're not even talking racial, man. We're just talking about housing, any living thing. Some of the conditions 
that people are forced to live under in a country that allegedly says you're innocent into proving guilty. If this is how you're treating the innocent, damn, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> Listen, if this was my treatment and I was presumed innocent and this was my detainment, this was the condition of my treatment, and of course I was too young to really articulate it, but my body bore witness to that this just wasn't right, then I knew what they had in store for me if found guilty, which I was like, oh, I'm not from this state. You know, I'm to them a northerner or whatever. Uh, it wasn't looking good. Uh, I knew that I could expect to be in some real trouble here. So, yo, I was holding it down. But with that being said, I said all that to kind of, you know, I'm making light of it because you have to. It's so traumatic. But to really set the um, – Backdrop for what went down, man. The brothers had had enough, and they revolted. Uh, and I may be wrong on that. I think they call this place the Justice Center. And it was about 117 brothers, man, that just was like, yo, the conditions are deplorable. Uh, thanks to Makeda, who put me up on, on game and sent me some links, and I you know, looked into it, and it said that this is the third one. The first two, you know, uh, were about the conditions, were about COVID. The way they were handling it, the exposure they were being exposed, you know, let us be politically correct, allegedly, you know, people were being tested positive for COVID uh, and still being placed in the dormitory or the domiciles that people whom have been uh, tested non-positive or negative for COVID. It just was terrible. And I can only imagine, listen, that's just, if you allow your enemy to inform you, you should already know it's going to have a lot of sugar. So if you got diabetes, please don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's going to be sweet. So if they're sharing that much with us, then I already know that, man, it was slavery. If the media will admit that much, you can only imagine. Those of us that are in know, those of us that know this is the matrix, we're like Donald Trump. It's fake news. It's, it's fake. It's fake news. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Listen, we know that that thing is watered down and sugar. So uh, the conditions must have been so bad. And I know the conditions, man, because like I said, I've been detained. People just don't risk adding more time onto their time. You know, these were the worst of the worst. These cats didn't have triple life sentences. These cats were not going to see the, the light of day again. No one willingly risked adding on time, adding on charges. They were well aware. Let me tell you how I know they were well aware. There's probably some of the most sharpest legal minds behind bars. <laughs> Brothers, stay in the law library. So I'm willing to, and I'm not a gambling man, but I'm willing to put money on the fact that they were well aware of the, the possible consequences they would face had they revolted. So this is how bad to me, and like I said, having had that firsthand experience, that I, I, I know conditions had to be for that to happen. But what caused these conditions? You know what I'm saying? And not only within the jail, but what is the political climate that allows these conditions to go? This had been the third uh, complaint. What's going on, St. Louis? So we got my man to tell us about it. And before my man, we got definitely got Sister Makeda. Peace, Sister. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I don't know if that's my... My sound or your sound? Try again. I'm good. How are you? Can you can can you hear me? Okay, that's good. Am I good? I can hear you. That's a lot better. Yes. Okay. What's up? Um. Hey, 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 hey. Um. 
Yeah, I was I was just listening to the commentary and and you know, like you said, if this is what they're giving us, you know, it was so much worse. And you Man. know, experiencing it from that inside is is you know, they can only get so much information out. You know, they can only get so much information to the people so that we understand that it's not just a bunch of them whining and complaining like this is real stuff, and they know okay. that their lives are in Word. jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, we you know I I I'm really glad we have uh, the candidates both Tatrawa and Columbia will be speaking to this and what? To, oh man, you to, a double you header. Know, you didn't give me that heads up. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. To really you know put it put it into perspective and make people understand, like you know we really have to take the lead. We have to take charge in these situations. Because, you know, those are your people that's behind the bars. Those mm-hmm. are your folks, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can't just leave it to the state because the state said, well, we got them. We, you know, they under, okay, so they, they did something that, that the state decided that they needed to be punished for. But don't nobody deserve the genocide that is, you know, that's being enacted when you got, they spreading this, this nonsense around the um, the system and, and mixing up the uh the um inmates and whatnot, you know, mixing mixing the populations up and stuff and you know, them just really being worried about their condition. You so, know what? Um, and yeah, I can't wait to get into it, huh? Yeah. And that's and that's crazy. And that's why I'm glad that we got the candidates on because like you said, not just the internal conditions there, but what are the external conditions? What are the political conditions that allow because like I was reading, they said that this was the third time. So what's the climate uh, that allows, what's the mentality uh, that allows this to go on? What's our lack of involvement, apathy, blindness to it? And I would love to ask, and I'm going to tell you, tell them press one. Press one if if you're on, brothers and, and, and sister, so we can get you in there. And I would love to know about what percentage of those people come from their wards, how vested. I know as a saint, as a black person, period, we should be concerned right. because this is a, what do they call it, a microcosm of a macrocosm. This is just a very small reflection of what goes on nationally in America. We have right. more prisons than any place in the world, and we're supposed to be land of the free. I guess that is so selective. But, you know, how how is this really affecting them? You know what I'm saying? And how vested right. is their ward ward in this personally? Listen, they hit one. I'm open mics. You down? Um I guess that's, we do yeah. have okay. we do have to try we do have to try on yeah, the line. We, I, we got I think we got both. They both press one. And and I'm sending okay. a shout out St. Louis. You're listening to uh let's talk about it. And wait a minute, I think it just me. Okay, your mic's open. All right. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's what's up. What's going on, brother? I'm glad to be back. I'm very glad to be back. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we have a real uh, serious uh, discussion that we got to have tonight. But uh, I would not rather be anywhere else discussing it. Hey, man, I appreciate that. So we can get you right. Not we have, have anybody else besides you to discuss it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. Columbia. 
Okay. Okay. So what's 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 going down? Set the back set the backdrop. You know, I'm not from St. Louis. I'm getting it from the news. I already know it's secondhand. I already know it's filtered. But just being black in America, just being African here, you dig? And going through the African experience that we go through here, I've tasted some of that firsthand. So I know it's poo-poo. I know there's something in the water. Um, so what's 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 going down right. with with that? Yeah, I would like to start off by reading a statement from myself and Perdoce Columbia Benson, you know, uh, in response to this crisis. So that'll lay it out. You know, it's about two pages. Uh, so it'll take a minute if I can, if you all don't mind. All right. I am on the floor. Oh. Right. Okay. Can so you let's hear start me? off. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. so I'm going to start with the statement, and uh, I see we got Columbia on the on the line as well. The statement starts off on Saturday, February 6, 2021. More than 100 prisoners waged a protest in response to inhumane conditions imposed on them inside a dungeon referred to as the Justice Center. Prisoners refused to return to their six by nine foot cells contained inside the jail, which holds over 700 mostly black men and women in captivity. After months of inmate complaints that jail staff have callously exposed them to COVID-19 with mass violence and even retribution, prisoners refuse to go on living in what accurately be referred to as a petri dish of deadly coronavirus infection. One inmate, identified as Cortez Easterwood Bay, expressed a long list of savage conditions imposed on these men and women, many of which are regular features of U.S. imprisonment, just to name a few. Uh, Tear gassing and water hosing, subjecting inmates to frigid temperatures while denying heat and adequate clothing, denying showers, denying adequate food, denying adequate nutrition and exercise, especially to help counter COVID, forcing inmates into solitary confinement and refused, uh, refusing heat and dry clothing to them, denying visitation from family, destroying irreplaceable personal property such as photos, family letters, legal documents, and religious literature, denying the ability to access the law library so that they can research the fight for their freedom refusing COVID-19 testing and treatment, forcing inmates to share cells with inmates with obvious signs of COVID-19 and denying COVID-related PPE. Easterwood Bay estimates that in 48 hours, the number of COVID cases doubled in one pod as jail staff maliciously intermixed infected and uninfected inmates. Mixing infected prisoners with uninfected prisoners is genocide against the entire black community, according to the United Nations definition. Article 2, subsection C of the United Nations Convention defines genocide as deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. Many inmates have languished in this camp without trial. Easterwood Bay cites one inmate who has been jailed for five years with no trial. Easterwood Bay correctly poses the question, do jail staff get to act as our judge, jury, and executioner? The U.S. has a prison system almost twice as large as China, which holds has a billion people, a population nearly three times that of the U.S., 
In this massive U.S. prison complex, 80 to 90 percent of every inmate convicted every year never receives the benefit of a trial. In fact, the popular courtroom television shows that we grew up watching actually constitute a national myth. Trials almost never exist in this city or in this country if you are black or Mexican. We, Herdosha Columbayi Bentham and Chichara Masimba, are in unequivocal support of the right of those in prison in this concentration camp to resist the oppressive conditions in the jail. Nobody should be made to live in these conditions. We demand the immediate release of all black people in prison at the Justice Center, and reparations must be paid to them and their families as restitution for their attacks on the, for these attacks on the African community. Reparations to these Africans will be the first step toward a just outcome to this inhumane situation. We stand in unity with the protesters and their just demands. We further assert that any prison system which convicts 80 to 90 percent of those in prison without a trial represents a dictatorship and has no legitimacy whatsoever. The black community of St. Louis is under constant attack. A few weeks ago, the Board of Aldermen and St. Louis Public <laughs> School Board announced that seven majority black schools would close. Following that, members of the Board of Aldermen attempted to occupy the, the black community with spy planes. And as we speak, an international spy agency is being, uh, is being built on a campus on 1,000 acres of land they stole from the black community while members of the Board of Aldermen used eminent domain to force nearly 100 families to leave their homes. The city spends mm. an estimated 50 to 60 percent of the entire general budget on policing in the black community. Um, and it may, I think I maybe should stop this a little bit more, but I don't want to over talking. Wow. Wow. Man. Right on. Wow. So 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 I mean and there's so many things there to address. There's so many, but I'm a, I'm gonna start with and we can go off into anything. Let's start with that Justice Department thing. You know, when were like we first and when was the buzzword? I'm sure that those were you saying something, Kato? No, um, if if you're not talking, please mute your phone. Oh, okay. we don't get your um your your background. I think that's that's probably background noise. Okay, it's just a little background noise. So when was like I'm sure these con- conditions existed, you know, prior to this. It's always it, the powder keg is there before the spark. When do we know when we were first informed that someone right with the justice center? Or we you know when it was documented. I know brothers have been talking about it from day one, but when it was documented. Yeah, I was gonna say uh maybe fourteen, fifteen, uh at least the year sixteen, nineteen. But uh <laughs> I, you know, I this came to my attention just recently, you know. Um, so as you stated earlier, there were two uh protests that preceded this. One was in December and the other uh, uh, New Year's Eve, as I understand. So um, in terms of this particular incident, you know, as you stated, it is the third protest in response to this particular incident. And uh, I don't know the, uh, you know, the history of complaints of this place, but you can see uh, just from the list I gave you that this is a regular feature of not only this uh, particular detention or detainment center, but uh, U.S. prisons in general. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into a little bit. Who is this Judge Edward Katz, man? Who is this dude? Can, we, <laughs> cause he, Can anybody hear me? Man. 
Yeah. Yes, no. we can hear you. We can hear you. Okay, this is Columbia. <laughs> I've been trying to get off mute. I've been here I, listening. I just wanted to let 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 it be known that I am on the call. Okay, Columbia. I, you know what? And I let me say, Dive is probably. I don't know why I had your name mixed up with the brother. But you know, I'll no, be. No, I say he keep calling me brother. <laughs> if I, and Makeda, did you hear that slip up in football? You said what? You. Okay, I'm like this. This delay is killing us. We'll keep. We'll keep the. We'll keep the flow. But this Judge Edward catch, man. What's his? What's his deal? You know, he's trying to paint him out to be a bunch of reckless yahoos. That you know, and one of the things I he kept emphasizing that I noticed is this third when they had no demands, they had no grievances. He just really tried to paint it off as they were trying to blow off Steve. I don't know, you know. So who is this cat? What is his background, and how do we get rid of him? Yeah, well, first we need to recognize who the state is, who he is. He's doing his job. He's not doing um, unusual of what judges are mm. supposed to do. Um, mm. This is what they do. So mm-hmm. I think at some point we have to sort of like get down to the nitty gritty and really understand the state and how the state operates. Um, because the state is operating and acting just as it is. And so we have to, um, so this judge is standing and being a gatekeeper between the people and you know um, the status quo, you know, and mm. and and this, in this prison, and he's he's fighting and he's fighting for his lifeline, he keep his job as a judge because that's what they do, you know what I'm saying? So when we say, uh, you know, right here in St. Louis, unusually, we we normally I would say the whole state, we know the whole state apparatus, why it was built and how it's used constantly against um, colonized Africans all over the world. Um, but we have a prosecutor attorney named Kim Gardner, um, and Kim Gardner is unusual because she's fighting against the status quo. And usually mm-hmm. a prosecutor attorney's job is to fight the people, you know, um, but that's why they want her out of office. I mean, they all went extreme um, to try to make sure right. that the prosecutor attorney has no power in her office at all to prosecute anything because she's trying to prosecute the police. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what she's right. doing. But, you know, just to stay on here, when we even looking into who this judge is, the real question is the judge is the state, and the state has been the state, and the state is the state, and we need to get rid of the whole state apparatus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let, you know what? And that's good to start at. Let's, let's, let's start with, and we can give, let's give the, the, the basics of it for a lot of our listeners. You know, I have a lot of people that listen and tune in to try to get the what's happening in the community. You got to try to get a pulse of the black community and uh, in a way that they can really feel it. Let's define the state for them and what the state's job is and, and, and to make it a little more specific, not just who the state is and what the state is, but how the criminal justice system, how the prison industrial complex economics uh, and capitalism is tied to what really went on in this warehousing of black men, women, brown people, and everything. Uh, if you could a little bit. I guess I'll take that. So you want to get into, you know, real the real meat of the question. And uh, I just want to say both of us are students of uh, 
when Omali is you know, and um, we understand this question quite clearly. You know, the state um, is an entity of coercion and repression. You know, it's the courts, the police, uh, judges, as you say, uh, even when they, uh, even, you know, so-called public safety, safety direct, uh, the whole mechanism of coercion and repression that exists. Um, and it's something that comes into existence in human society when uh, that human society becomes along lines of haves and have-nots. And uh, those who have, have what they have as a consequence of taking it from those who don't. So then you have a whole social system that emerges uh, where one people lives at the direct political and economic expense of another people to have police. You have to have courts. You have to have judges. Uh, that's not a, like a regular feature of human society, you know. So in St. Louis City, there's no different than uh, the way the whole world is configured, you know, that came about as a consequence of slavery and colonialism. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. just to give you an example, um, recently we just found out that seven schools are going to be closed, all majority black schools. Uh, it was initially proposed that 11 schools would be closed. Uh, we also know that, um, you know, we've seen recent statistics that say that it would take 228 years, you know, for black families to acquire the wealth white families have today. But all of that is a consequence. The school's closing is a consequence of all of the money, the tax money that regular black people pay every day uh, being turned over to these gentrifying real estate speculators. And so they have bled the school system, you know, in this example. So it happens uh, every day. It happens in a thousand different ways. It keeps us poor. It keeps us uh, disempowered. And it keeps uh, the conditions, it maintains the conditions for black people to, you know, act out violence towards each other, to constantly be in frustration, and, uh, to have to turn to a drug economy that the U.S. government created to try to search for a living. It keeps us miserable. Mm. Uh, this relationship where, you know, you have uh, a white world living at the expense of black people, and then the police come in. You know, they come in, they occupy communities, they, uh, they uh, you know, maintain uh, like a containment, you know, uh, doing this to allow this process to happen. And uh, they ensure ultimately that uh, the people don't rise up and, uh, you know, become conscious of the relationship that's happening. They are the front line of defense to make sure that that never happens. And that's the relationship the police have to us, period. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah, right on. Man, that was just what is it. So, you know, coming from this, and like you said, it's just this this collective, this system of uh, coercion and repression and these institutions, police. And, I, I, man, I couldn't emphasize that more. I hope the listeners really heard because it's the everyday institutions that you don't think about as state, you know. Um, and that's what I want you guys to really, like, just emphasize on. So when you get caught up in the whole cycle of that's that really is the word institutionalized get whole in the whole relying and dependent on these institutions to guide your life direct your life to create security and comfort for you that you're really buying into the whole state thing a participant when a willing participant of the whole uh, state agenda for us as black people and i love how the brother said man he said 
white America feeding on black people. I mean, I may, I may not say it like that, but, you know, white people living at the expense of our misery and suffrage. Damn. Right. Could be more important. So let's tie the justice center into that. I'm sorry, McKay, I'm just going on and on. Did you want to jump in there? <laughs> no, well, you know what? I, I totally uh, unite. And, and you know, just the, just the breakdown of it, because we don't understand well, we don't understand what we're looking at, you know, and how how it relates to us in a very real way, you know. And we just look at, you know, we look at things from uh, this kind of benign lens of, you know, it's set here to uh, help us, which is which is the illusion that it it's put mm-hmm. here to help us. It's necessary for that breakdown. So I just really want to appreciate, you know, uh, to Charles for for breaking that down like that. Because it's, it's so necessary you know, for us to understand what we're what we're right. fighting when we deal with these everyday issues. I mean, you know, to your hospitals and whatnot. Like, you know, See, it's, it's it's a real feature to me to not we'll, to, we'll be, get to one go to the hospital to, to right. go to the hospital we'll get, and have to go we'll into the audience. hospital by myself. You know, mm-hmm. and be and feel very vulnerable and unprotected. You know. Um, so well, yeah, you need to you need to have a definition of what you're moving inside of. Um, just, but I would right, like to hear, and then to me, I would like to hear, uh, huh? No, I'm sorry, I'm just jumping so in. And then to me, no, go it's ahead, like go ahead. what I loved about what I loved about it was the fact it's you know because a lot of times we'll get just very uh, we have the what we're like when the horse wear blinders, we'll just get so fixated. Mm-hmm. On some, so state will be police. It's like the brothers were saying, you know, a lot, but a lot of these popular court shows that in that statement that uh, he read to us, man, that I think, man, was just spot on. Also, how these court shows yeah. perpetuate this myth of some type of justice. You know, they so good they get the right. criminal jumps up and confess. All right, darn it. Okay, you got me, Barnaby. Right. You know. So not talking about the pleas that we go in just from the lack of knowing the law, from just tired of the inhumane conditions. A lot of pleas I know brothers enter into is just when you leave a man in those conditions for years and he hasn't gone to court. And then you come and say, hey, take, a, you know, two years. We give you time served for the year you're done, give you a year on paper. You know, and for people who don't know what I just said, legalese, listen, we're going to let you out. But we're gonna monitor you, and you're gonna pay dues or retribution or whatever for two years on paper. And if you violate that, then we're gonna put you in the same to everything. Then we're gonna put you back in jail. So, and yeah, mm-hmm. I've been here. Yeah, give me that. Give me that. You know. Um, so just to see how all of it works in conjunction, and it's just not the DA, it's just not the prosecuting attorney, it's just not the police. It's everything from their schooling, from the hospitals that we become reliant and dependent on, and a lot from the conditions of just the uh, social and subcultural culture that's evolved out of an oppressive culture, you know what I'm saying, and the the harm we've inflicted on ourselves. So that whole just network of coercion and repression and suppression, I thought was a right on, spot on thing. Listen, I could go on and on. You had something else to say? You had something else you were saying, sister? Uh, you know what? I, I really just wanted to hear, you know, uh, Columbine, you know, um, and and her uh, assessment of what has happened here and what's going on 
as well, you know, just to be able to. And can I ask and and with that, Columbia, can I throw a little question, throw a question to add on with you answer that, your assessment? And also, are are you um, running to represent a a ward that has a lot of people? How does that affect the ward that you're going to represent right on? Vote for Columbia is or vote in the right direction. How is that? Does that directly affect the ward, or do you have a large uh, uh, percentage of the people that come out of that ward that are victims of this terrible condition? Yes. Um. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm running for Alderwoman in the third ward, uh, and that's on the north side of St. Louis. And um, one of the, the one of the things about the third ward is it really looked like a war zone. Um, mm. I don't have the statistics right here in front of me, but I don't really need the statistics because I right on to the streets and I know, like, you know, like I live in the community, so I know mm. that, um, you know, uh, the people of the third ward get locked up. Um, you know, in St. Louis, you have to pay all these taxes, so a lot of times, one of the easiest ways to end up in the justice center, just as myself has ended up there, is um, mm. your place not right. You know, um, because you have mm-hmm. a whole bunch of taxes that they tax on the people. So one of the easiest ways to go to jail is your car wasn't registered, you didn't have insurance, um, et cetera. And so, um, yes, the people of the third war is affected by what's happening. So, yes, I represent the th- I want to represent the third war, but I represent black people all over, and especially on the north side. So anything that is affecting um, the 21st Ward or affecting the 5th Ward, it's affecting the 3rd Ward because we, we all connected. You know, so to hear all the person or anybody that's in a public seat say, oh, well, the people in my in my ward is not going to be affected by this, so that's okay. And the reason why I say that is because we don't heard that. We heard that mm. um, from the person that Chachara is running against that when they shut down 10 schools that was going to affect black people on the north side, that he thought it was okay for him to say, oh, well, they're not closing any schools down in my ward. That's not the approach that we have to have. You know, that's not the approach we should have. Um, And so um, I I have been locked up. Um, You know, it's kind of hard not to be locked up in St. Louis for traffic tickets. And at the Justice Center, that's where you go. Um, I read another article today of a sister that was locked up there that um, was locked up for three days, a mother of three children that worked, um, got pulled over for um, an old warrant for St. Louis County. The city took her into the justice center and she was locked up there for three days with no phone call. Her family absolutely did not know where she was, had reported her missing, um, didn't know where she was. And she was locked up in the justice center without a phone call for three days. Mm. And that can happen to you from just anything. Just because you mm. start a crime because you have an anxiety, you locked up. I was I, I, I was having anxiety because I was locked up and they locked me to a um one of those uh uh benches and and, and said we not you're not gonna get a phone call. Um so wow. you know the uh what's happening um at the at the justice center is the same reason why we knew just just simply shutting down the workhouse was not the solution, that we had to get to the core contradictions of what is happening um, in St. Louis. Because um, when the the, um, inmates rebelled, now they have shipped some of them 
and it's it's um it's a lot of different stories. They have shipped them to a place called the Workhouse for any of your listeners that is outside of St. Louis that um trying to follow this story. The work the Workhouse is another um jail in St. Louis um for um that they have and this place has been considered condemned. And it has been a real protest and fight and the International People Democratic Uhuru Movement of St. Louis was on the front lines of this um, to shut this workhouse down, and they 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 took them back to a condemned building. But mm. the person that I'm running against um, came to my office, um, where um, a business owner that had been in the Third Ward since 1972, um, and had pre- provided jobs for a lot of African men in the community at a car auto body shop. And when he heard I was running for office, he allowed me to have a spot in his business to run my campaign. My opponent, um, you know, uh, don't want to debate, but he used the state, the police, to come and shut down our office with seven police officers and said that the place was condemned. The piece of paper said that you have 10 days to vacate. The police told um, the business owner, the older person said you have to leave now, that we don't care that the, the court said you get 10 days, you got to leave now. And it's very strange that they would take 60-some inmates back to what we what they have um, deemed as um, condemned. So they're complaining about their condition. They take them to a worse facility, if that's mm. even possible for any facility to be worse than what the conditions of the, um, um, the Justice Center. And this is not new, you know what I'm saying? Because when I said I got locked up in the Justice Center, I ain't been ju- locked up in the Justice Center since Ferguson since the um, mm. Mike Brown was murdered. So the conditions was bad then. They was bad before I got there, and they still bad today. You know, and I think that the exciting thing about all this is those brave men and women that said that I will refuse to just be silent because all resistance is good resistance. Africans have a right to resist a system that is beating the hell out of us. So I just salute all of them for the, um, you know, courageous, um, bold uh, initiative to resist the system that was beating the hell out of them, and um, I really, I really um, think that that uh, that we have to really um, salute them, men and women, because like you said earlier, you know they knew what the cost is, they knew mm-hmm. how they were going to come down on them after this was all over, but they said that it don't matter. I have nothing to lose mm-hmm. but these chains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, as an older person. When you're elected, exactly what is some of the, like, I know definitely the rally cry. By the way, I hope they got a sound bite of that brother saying that it's not in my ward. That would be a perfect man. I, I I hope, St. Louis, that you're out there that just on a social level, there's enough communalism, enough togetherness to realize how terrible that is. If not, man, it's our job, each one, teach one, to go in and start to shake that that social consciousness that we all are African people, we all we got, and you need to at least, at the very least, be disturbed um, by those type of statements. So, so listen, so what coming from, because we know, us, us grassroots know what has to be done. We know some light has to be shed on this, some noise has to be made, sabers have to be rattled. But coming from where you're coming from as, as an older person, what is it you can do and, and what do you 
intend to do? What's the next step? Because the light, you know, we got some light on it. What's our next little move that, that we can share of a strategy? What would we like that we see? Yeah, okay. So I, I'll go first and then um, to Chara. Um, well, you know, I think that we understand that um, this is genocide, bottom bottom mm-hmm. line. And so mm-hmm. um, with me becoming the other person in the third ward with the support of the third ward um, is is a, a real stance um, that the people is making, saying that we can't keep going with the status quo. Um just like you just said that um, it is so uh, you would think that you would hear an outcry, but I haven't seen any um, elected officials or all the people or the person that I'm running against to have any position because they just made a decision to give $7.5 billion to a billionaire to, to for spy planes. Hmm. So, you know, um, so we really have to understand that we have to vote for black power. We have to be able to hear it, you know what I'm saying, when the person is saying what they are doing, and we have to hold people accountable and, um, you know, really, really say that, you know, enough is enough. So one of the things that I am on my platform is reparations, you know, reparations to the black community, because all this stems from a social system that it's no economic development. You know, people go to jail and people um, participate in crime because of a poverty problem. You know what I'm saying? So we have to address that. And the men and the women of the third ward are good people and they are old reparations for everything that has been stolen from us. So that's one thing that has to happen in a real way. And then creating um, community courts, um, you know, in the third ward for us to be able to have our own courts where we can solve some of the um, things that happen amongst the both of us, you know, us, where we can be police ourselves and have our own courts and stand before the people in the community and um, make in, in the people in the community that know how you eat, know your circumstances, can come to the conclusions of what, how do we deal with this? You know, for instance, if it's a child support case, uh, these courts, the state don't um, help the man, the woman, or the kids. You know what I'm saying? But if we had our mm-hmm. own courts where we can listen to the man, we know what he need a job. You know what I'm saying? And um, we need to talk to this woman to say whatever the issue is, but we can solve it ourselves. We can come to better conclusions with power in our own hands than a, continue to go to a system that comes to the wrong conclusions because they not they, that's not their job um, to uh, come to the right conclusions about colonized people. So those are just um, two things and um, just you know, two things that I can speak to immediately. Man, that, that is so, man, that is so dope. It's very important. Yes, Chachara. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, uh, I think it's safe to say both of us, we support the Democratic demands, you know, that those, uh, the protesters, those who are in prison, uh, you know, are calling for uh, so that they can have immediate relief from these uh, inhumane conditions. But uh, in addition to reparations, in addition to a black people's grand jury, uh, which, by the way, uh, I think would not just be for us to solve problems among ourselves, but it would be to put these jokers on trial as well. And uh, <laughs> to the extent that we get power, you know, ourselves, then we can uh, exact the actual punishment uh, that results from the, uh, the, the decisions that come out of those trials. And I mean that because the people have to have the opportunity to tell their story. 
Uh, these are real mm. people. They have family members, and they are living in horrid conditions. Their families are suffering. They don't hear from their loved ones who are in these dungeons. They have children who are in these dungeons, and uh, the people need to be able to testify as to what the system has done to them. So I think that's important. And we, both of our platforms, call for black community control of the police. And uh, we don't believe that you can turn police into social workers in this country. We don't believe that you uh, can simply uh, defund the police out of existence. As we both, uh, as I stated and we both agree, that uh, you have a system that bleeds the black community as uh, a regular part of the social system. And so there will always be police under those conditions. So we call for black community control of police meaning we are separating uh, the policing uh, from out of the state mechanism, apparatus, and we want community, absolute, undivided community control of the police. And uh, then we begin to create a policing process that can actually not only allow us to solve our own problems, but it can also negate the uh, existing police. And so we're saying that funding has to be taken from the existing police uh, apparatus because 50 to 60 percent of all, you know, the entire general budget of the city, 50 to 60 percent on paper, and it's more than that off paper, but on paper, 50 to 60 percent of all of the budget and the general budget in the city goes to police. And the police, we know, do not uh, police the black community to make the black community safe for black people. They police the black community to make the black community safe for these real estate speculators and these corporations who have been trying to force black people out of North St. Louis, and we see this in other cities, uh, so that they can take our property, take our land, and uh, they can profit from, uh, you know, this cheap land that has been driven into the ground as a consequence of no economy. So the police don't work for us. we got to have black community control of the police. This is the agenda that both of our campaigns are putting forward. Reparations, black people's grand jury, black people control of the police. These are the demands that these two incredible campaigns, and I say campaigns because we have incredible campaign teams, are putting forth right here in the city of St. Louis. It's historic. It will reverberate throughout the world. And if we get elected, uh, this will be a, a model for two black power candidates uh, running on, you know, a radical platform uh, designed to speak to the interests of the most oppressed sector of the black community. Uh, well, right on, right on. Yeah, I think that's that's right on, and that's what we need. We're gonna need that example. Listen, I want to touch back on on some. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, I was. I'm sorry. I was just trying to make sure because I had fallen off the call for a minute. <laughs> I was just trying to make sure I was back on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. I like a part that he, he touched on when we talk about the community with the policing, community policing, policing ourselves. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. You know, that's the thing. We have, They talk about this defunding the police, reforming the police. We're talking about dismantling the whole system. You can't Make right. a better police system. You make a better police. I said, man, you hear what you saying? You calling yourself revolutionary? The whole thing has to be dismantled. I don't. I think it was so artic- articulately spoken when he said we're talking about. And that's why I go back when he said when we're talking about this organism, this collective of networks that work together. 
for the repression right. uh, and suppression of right. Africans here in America. Um, so, yeah, so, these, it, you know, it's imperative, and this is why we're talking about that getting involved again and the conditions. What I wanted to ask about, though, is with these conditions is, are there any talks about bringing international attention to it, like going to, I, I, you know, the names of some of these groups escape me, but these groups that go in and look at, you know, uh, the conditions of detainees and prisoners or whatever label they're putting on it this day for, for, for the just inhumane treatment of any being. Um, are there any talks about going out to these groups and uh, uh, eliciting their support and help? and networking with them. Yeah, I, I want to take this one, and then, you know, Columbia, you can follow up if you got more. But we are, uh, you know, we, we are part of an international organization, you know, known as the Uhuru Movement. So we have made this an international campaign to start with, you know, just to, to raise and give international attention to uh, this kind of incredible, these kind of incredible campaigns happening. Uh, but also in, in direct uh, response to this incident, um, you heard the language uh, in the statement saying that this is a uh, genocide, and you heard somebody yes. say that somebody mm-hmm. this is genocide, and we actually cited one of the uh, subsections in Article Two, uh, and uh, so what we are, what we intend to do is make the international court to look at the law, uh, not because uh, you know international law is still giving power. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. It's contradiction to say that according to your law. Uh, I'm sorry, I guess I'm breaking up. But according to your international law, this convention that you created on genocide, which was not ever intended to apply to black people, but according to the uh, declarations in your document, this constitutes genocide. And it does, you know, and so some, uh, some of the, you know, and definitions of genocide according to Article 2. Uh, on the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, according to the United Nations, is A, killing members of the group, B, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, C, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, and D, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group, and E, forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. So I see, you know, killing members of a group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about the physical destruction and hold on part. This is genocide. And we want to raise uh, as much international and national attention as we can get to this question. Oh, hold on. I, I just, I, I have a question, you know, kind of, that sits inside of there because like with, with the popular or the mainstream um, um, narrative being that, you know, these things, these things have been set forth to help us and they've been put in place to, you know, um, help get attention and help, you know, help us out in these situations when we in fact understand that, you know, the systemic nature of this oppression is not that. It's, you know, it's, it's not for helping us. It's not for, you know, how do we even look, What? how do we even look outside of ourselves at all 
if that's the case, if, you know, if we know that we are going into these places and really forwarding the interests of our people by, you know, fighting this thing um, on the levels that we fight it, and then we're looking for um, help outside of ourselves, how do we – how do we solicit that kind of help? How do we even find that type of help? Or how do we trust how do we trust that there's anything outside of us that would help push that, you know, push that whole idea that something is oppressing us and as long as, you know, this sector of society, you know, African people, as long as African people are suffering and are oppressed, you know, everybody is still under oppression. Everybody is suffering. Everybody is oppressed. And once we get free, everybody will be free. How do we get? How do we, you know, get the get that attention to that, like that? How do we draw attention to something like that? Hello. Who do you want to address that? I think you have to tell us who you want to address. It. I mean, you know, either either of you 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 were talking, so you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I know it was kind of a layered question too, but you know, I'm just—I was just kind of wondering. Um, I mean, if somebody can address that, you know, because I haven't, you know, I know I know she's here, and I know she has something on it. I know she does. <laughs> it was. It was very layered. I'm a little, Tatora. If you start, I definitely will come behind because I was. I don't know, okay, you had put a couple of things in there together. Yeah, right. I mean, I right. think... I, I, yeah, go ahead. Huh? No, yeah, I, was I'm just, hearing, I was just trying to say where where um, where Yanga had asked the question about, you know, actually finding, you know, um, organizations that oh. are supposed to speak to, you know, helping helping the oppressed. How do we find and how do we trust and who do we trust in those situations? You know, you know, I think Chairman says it. You know, I I really appreciate uh, Chairman Amalia Stella. I learned a lot being under his leadership. And one of the things about trust, you know, I'm saying like, what is that? But um, what what we have to do is we have to say, what is our unity? Unity, unit. We have unit principal unity for for um particular things. So any um organization that we work with, we might not agree with everything, but we just unite on this particular case and we unite that this is our demand and then we fight for it. And then we you know, um it, you know, I, I I think you have to approach it there. Or you'll be cyanide mm-hmm. trying, I mean, what we're gonna cut people open and really see if we could trust them or not. But they have to have <laughs> um they have to have unity um, uh, and I, I'm forgetting the word. I hope Chachara can clean up what I'm trying to say because um, basically I'm saying that we have to be united um, through um, a theory or, um, or you know what we uh, what we after like the the Black is Black Coalition is principle unity. Thank you, thank you, Chachara. Principle unity. Bottom line, you know, um, and we willing to work with any organization um, if they have principle unity. They're saying open up the doors to the workhouse and let them out. You know, um, ain't mm-hmm. no trying to figure out where they go because that's what they say. Oh, well, what are we going to do with them? And then they take them to the justice right. center that is just as condemned as the last place. So the demand, that's why we couldn't um, unify ourselves with that, those demands, um, that they were just going to ship mm-hmm. them somewhere else. We said, let them 
out. And I know exactly what I'm saying. Some people on the call probably say, she crazy. She just going to let them out. Yes, let them out. <laughs> let them out. Um, you know, and I know exactly what I'm saying, and I'm saying let them out. Um, and for is working with different organizations, we work with other organizations. Um, actually, a lot of the rallies um, and the leading organizer around those rallies is a very um, good friend of the movement and participate in our um, poetry events, et cetera, um, that we've been um, following um, along with, uh, you know, we've been um, participating in her rallies that she's been having as well. So, you know, we have, um, we understand exactly what um, this is, and we can unify ourselves with anybody that has a principal stance um, united around what the core contradiction is. You know, we can work with them. And we want to work with them. So if there's anybody out there that's listening that's from St. Louis or has some friends from St. Louis that is organizing and is solid, you know, send them our way. You know, um, because black people united would never be defeated. Hey, black people united mm-hmm. would never be defeated. I have a question. Um, and you spoke a little earlier, Sister uh, Columbia, and we're talking about one of the things you said was reparations. Especially, and we know that we demand that nationally, internationally. Uh, and I love that you even said it for the third ward. But that is a word so used. Um, what does that look like for you? And I, you know, nothing. I'm not asking anything for the you to, you know, blow up or some plan that you have. But just generally, what does that look like? What does that mean to the constituents, to your constituents? And what does that look like? How would that look? How they would they would they know that this is what yeah. they're receiving and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reparations. So, you know, um, we're saying it's land, you know, um, it's a LRA. It's a land bank uh, where they, uh, the city claims property and they claim this property all types of ways that they take African people land and have been for decades and for a long time. And it's all kept by this land bank. And it makes this process extremely difficult for anybody, the working class, anybody in the community to take property. Sometimes it might be your grandma home um, and grandma got sick and uh, was getting letters about taxes and didn't pay the taxes or et cetera. And the taxes could be a couple of hundred dollars and somebody in your community, somebody in your family want to get that house because that house means something to your family. And they'll, they'll, they'll make it difficult for you to get that house. I, I actually mm. know people that that happened to, or say, you know, um, the water bill, you know, these um, crooked politicians, these greedy politicians push the whole mm-hmm. new tax on the people. Um, and um, Prop P made all of our water and sewer bills go up. And so a water or mm-hmm. sewer bill um, being delinquent could cause liens on your property and you could lose your property that way. Or they can just hit you with just different fines because uh, they unblotted out a whole community and they want your house because they want to sell it to Paul McKee so he could sell it to the NGA. All these types mm. of things is the reason why this land bank got all this property that they just sit on. So we're saying that reparations is the return of that land. You know, we're saying the return of the land is um, a way that we can have reparations and not just give somebody a, a beat-down building because, you know, if you didn't have the money to p- purchase the um, beat-down building, how are you going to have money to fix it up? <laughs> so we're saying that... We're saying that we want the reparations is giving you the resources 
to fix mm. up that property. And you know what that do to that African now? Because he wanted to own a home. He just didn't see it in his mm-hmm. future. Now he see it in his future, and now he's invested in his community. So he, he, he mm-hmm. he's part of the community, and we just um, p- p- made a whole process of home ownership as well. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's one of the um, ways that we see um, reparations is we say the return of the land. It has to be returned mm-hmm. back to the black community. Mm. Man, you about to be, mm-hmm. man, you pull a clamp it, put grandma on top of the car and ride to St. Louis. <laughs> I'm down with that. I get some of that land. Yeah, you know what this will do to that African to have a home. And, what? And, that's the, and, and that's the idea. I mean, you know, that's how that's how it can grow as well. You know what I'm saying? Yo. We know that this is a, a, an area that we, you know, we've claimed and we're, you know, we're getting these reparations on this mm-hmm. particular, in this particular space. And then mm-hmm. those people that had once even left the area, you know what I'm saying? They, those people would mm-hmm. want to come back because a lot of them didn't leave because they just wanted to go, but they didn't, you know, they couldn't remain. Yeah. I mean, right. You create, right. you create a desert. Hey, listen, okay. We have a, a, a call or someone. That's one. Let's open the mic okay. up. Petition three one four long digits twenty five sixty three. It's hot. Okay. Hi everyone. Um, this is Marissa. I'm enjoying this uh, discussion, and I'm I'm, I'm a volunteer for Columbia Columbia's campaign, and um, so many things are coming through my head listening. Um, this is a this is a real social movement um, mm-hmm. happening in St. Louis. And to get uh, Columbia and Tcharwa into office uh, would be an amazing thing. And uh, that would be, you know, the status quo is scared to have them in office because basically the Justice Center and the workhouse would be closed. And, like, if people really want to see, um, you know, the people out of the Justice Center and, and the workhouse, they need to get Columbia and Tcharwa into office. And I've been watching – like the board of aldermen and, and like they need real leadership, um, you know, to make, make things happen there, you know, from a, on a board level. And these two candidates mm-hmm. have the analysis that we need, that everyone needs. And my question to the candidates is, you know, what is the, what is the implications? Uh, what does this mean for the African working class around the world and in, and, and, and in the United States um, to have you two um, get elected? Oh, wonderful question. Yeah, this is Tachara. I appreciate the question, Marissa. And uh, this uh, has very serious implications because, um, you know, we had a real serious movement uh, going back to the 1960s, you know, where we shook not only this country, but we shook the uh, whole capitalist world. You know, we had revolutionary liberation struggles happening all over the planet. And uh, that movement, that struggle was uh, murdered out of existence, literally. Um, you know, we had, I see this, uh, this uh, movie on Fred Hampton that's coming out, or at least on the guy who killed Fred Hampton. But we had this serious struggle, and black people have been pushed out of political life, you know, through uh, violence and through uh, pacifying the whole black community to ensure that we have leaders who don't represent black people. 
uh, all over this country. They've been lifted up, and they don't represent the interests of black people. And so what we uh, as candidates represent, as members of the Uhuru movement, what we represent is a reintroduction on the electoral scene of uh, people fighting for black power, you know, fighting for the black community to have control of our own lives. Uh, no candidates uh, besides the candidate, you know, the candidates that we've been able to put forth as a movement have been able to run on a platform saying reparations to the black community, saying that this LRA land bank uh, must return these uh, properties back to the black community as a condition of reparations, saying that the city has to uh, uh, cough up a large infusion of capital uh, to go directly to the black community uh, for genuine economic development. You know, saying that genuine economic development means black businesses, black wealth uh, has to be generated, but it has to be anti-gentrification economic development. Uh, you know, so it's an mm. incredible reintroduction uh, onto the electoral scene of candidates representing the interests of the most oppressed sector of the black community fighting for all black people to be free, fighting for the city and whatnot that we occupy uh, to be able to have a just economy. Uh, but saying that a condition for that is that we have to uh, eliminate, alleviate uh, this uh, setup where one people are allowed to bleed another people for their life, you know, uh, and prosperity. And so uh, I think it just represents uh, a victory for, um, you know, uh, revolutionary politics. It's a victory for revolutionary politics, and then we can. Uh, it, it lets other people know that we don't have to cede uh, uh, the electoral arena to sellouts anymore, and to those who don't have the ability to stand up for our community. They don't get to monopolize the space anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did did, you, did we have time for me to answer, or did we want to move on to another question? No, hey, listen, please. We have time for you to answer. Okay. That was a great okay, question. I, yeah, um, I just really feel that, you know, the mental um, state of African people right now, um, it, we have been attacked. And um, I was at a ABDEP, um, one of our other organizations, a part of the Uhuru Movement um, Convention. And some, one of the panelists said something that stuck with me. And he said that um, the attack on African people don't start when we breathe. When you have a baby, it starts in the womb. Mm. And so I mm. thought about that I have to free my womb as an African woman. You know, like our babies, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and men too. You know what I'm saying? Um, our, you know, even when we are, you know, your sperm or in the, or just a seed, you know, um, that it's, it's, it's an attack on your life, on your mental mind of who you are, what you can be, you know, what's your aspirations, everything is attacked. Everything, just our whole being is under attack. And so these campaigns mm-hmm. are going to hit the psyche of African people all over the globe. Um, mm-hmm. Resisting is contagious. And when you can see that somebody else can win, then it makes you say, I can do it too. And so to see <laughs> a, a, a black boy um, Tachari Masimba and a black girl, um, Hardosha Columbae Bentham from the north side grew up that had a hard night life, had 
you know, people dying in our family have experienced genocide in so many different ways. And other colonized people all over the world that have the same story we have, be able to see that we won office by saying black power, uncompromising, un, um, no surrender, um, will change the psyche for so many African women. And for me personally, you know, um, I was beat down by this social system. Like, it, it is unheard of that someone um, that graduated from high school, barely knowing how to read, is now running for um, the third war, all the women, and being able to right stand on. up with her head up high and say that the problem was not me. The problem was a whole system, a whole school system that failed all of our children. Do you know how many other people have my same story, but they don't want to say it. Right. They don't want to talk about it because they feel bad. They, they think it was their right. fault. They don't want nobody to know that they had a reading problem. Well, I say, yeah, I got mm. one. You know what I'm saying? And I got you. And well, this campaign is going to rock black people all over the globe to be able to see a victory like this. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The audacity that you would, you would have the nerve <laughs> to feel responsible enough, you know, for the people, not just for yourself, but for the people so that the people around you can understand that it's still their responsibility and they can, they have every ability to shake, shake loose of this system and get free. Mm-hmm. Like, for real, that's, that's something to be appreciated just, you know, on the most basic level. You know, like you have the you have the right, you have the not just the right to resist, but you have an obligation to resist for everybody, for all of us. You know, we mm-hmm. have that obligation to make each other know that we can get out of this, you know, and really fight it in a real way. So in, well, in that you know, I appreciate the brother the br- I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so sister please. Okay, just real quick, you know when Makeda, when you said that it hit me. And I said, you know, me and Chachara stand on the shoulders of great men and women that have been resisting mm-hmm. this system because it hasn't been a moment in our uh, since we have came in contact with this social system since they sold the first African from Africa. We have been resisting, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. Chachara's response to bring us back to they murdered King, they murdered Malcolm. They murdered right. the Black Panthers and they swore that we would never have a, a, a vehicle to be able to fight for our independence and our liberation ever again. And so I really right. salute the African People's Social Party and Chairman Amalia Yeshatella and all the all the um, uh, people that have been fighting, uncompromising, you know, um, keeping their eyes on the prize and, and just being, uh, what's that called, when you're optimistic, you know what I'm saying, because you know, you can get weary in your fight, but you have to stay optimistic knowing that we will win. So I just really want right. to salute them as well because we could not be here. We could not even be doing this fight without the resistance that have happened before us. Right. Right. That's, I, that's you know what? what? And that leads right perfect. There. Yep. And that leads perfect into a question I had, like what Brother T'Challa was saying. And that goes into a question I had. He had said in his statement, you know, about one of the things – and I thought that that was a great question. What does them being elected, what does their running mean, not just for St. Louis, but for the working class African uh, 
throughout America nationally. I thought that was, I was like, damn, that's a really good question. <laughs> and I thought we got some really good answers. One of the things, though, that Brother Tachar said that I'm interested in, saying, he said, you know, and I thought it was great, and then Sister Columbia came and echoed that sentiment, is we had great people to do that, to bring political awareness, to make us a political scene, to begin uh, to put us on a political scene, to begin to be advocates, and he said we need to return to that. What has changed from that time? You know, like you said, man, I don't think it could have been put better. They were murdered out. We were, like, murdered and intimidated out of that whole thing. What has changed? Or is it just, I mean, no, you know what? I'm not even going to throw out anything. I'm just going to leave it at that. So what, uh, what has changed or has anything changed since that time that makes it, uh, that just compelled you or made you say now is the time or, you know, was it something, is it a moment, you know, what, what is it about it that that, really became like a main folk, you know, something that you really said, and I think everybody was feeling that when you said it, so that apparently that was something that motivated you. Yeah. Well, yeah. part of it is that, uh, um, you know, as Columbia said, we stand on the shoulders of, uh, you know, a whole organization and a whole movement uh, that uh, has been fighting to take up space in every arena you know, so that uh, black people can fight to have uh, power of our own lives in every arena and uh, are not willing to uh, make concessions, you know, to uh, in any arena of struggle. We want to use every arena of struggle. And uh, locally, you know, here in St. Louis, we, uh, I think I can say that both of us, you know, we saw these uh, horrific conditions that, we, you know, we grew up uh, right here in these neighborhoods. My mother father still have a house, uh, you know, the same house I grew up in, and then right next door, the three houses to the right of them are now vacant. I knew the families that used to live in those houses, you know, so we had to see this uh, rapid decline, even in the black community over the last decade or so, and then we see these politicians, you know, uh, even the ones who look like us, you know, who eat the food that we eat, um, you know, whose mothers or grandmothers in some cases still live in the old neighborhood but they don't work for us, you know, and they sell us out every day. They work for the big developers who don't develop anything. You know, they work for the corporations. They use the police as their own personal armies uh, to attack the black community uh, for uh, the benefit of their own careers and the benefit of the gentrifiers. So, you know, we had to intervene into this process. And uh, we don't have any illusions that uh, electoral politics will um, – you know, free black people anywhere on the planet. But what we are fighting to do is to build a social movement. Uh, we want to get elected. We want to bring people to City Hall with us, to fight with us, to begin to demand fundamental change, to get to the core contradiction, uh, which is that our communities are being looted of all of our resources, bled dry every single day, day in and day out. And that uh, we have to change that relationship if we are to ever be able to have a future. St. Louis City, uh, like other cities in this country, uh, have been uh, subject to this whole process of uh, systematically attempting to drive black people out of urban areas uh, to ensure that we would never have another movement like we did in the 1960s. That was part of the uh, process that was implemented in response to our struggle in the 1960s, this counterinsurgency tactic to ensure that, um, you know, black people are pushed out of urban centers, deconcentrated, 
so that we would never, you know, be concentrated in large numbers that we could rebel uh, again. And so we've been bled of an economy. They literally placed an embargo on the black community in North St. Louis, mm. just like we see in Detroit, mm. to ensure that we don't get any resources so that they can force us to leave and then they can take our properties. And so um, that's what we've been subject to. I mean, that's a form of genocide, you know, when we speak about that. Uh, so we are fighting against that. We're saying that um, it's not going to work. You know, we got these incredible candidates, these incredible campaigns on the scene. We're fighting for reparations. We're fighting for genuine economic development. We are fighting for a return of our homes, our properties. We're fighting for money to be able to repair all of these dilapidated housing. Housing, uh, we're saying black community control of the schools, black community control of the police. And uh, we just want people to get involved. And we want to remind people right. that uh, to check out my website at votemysimba.org. My Simba is M A S. I M B A vote and then uh, vote herdosia dot org uh, vote herdosia dot org and I uh, check out the vote columbia dot org. Oh, is it vote vote I'm sorry. <laughs> vote columbia. Vote columbia dot org. Vote columbia dot org. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, Sister Columbia. That's it. You know what? If, if you wouldn't mind, it, kind of same question to you too. What? Was that? And I know I asked you guys last show, but you, we got new listeners, people interested, and I'm sure some new people from St. Louis would definitely want to know their candidates. But just nationally, people listening and international, uh, internationally, just checking it out. What was the oath for you? What was that? You know, knowing what came before. You know, history. History is no mystery to to those of us that just inquire. So you knew what the mega ever. The you know I mean just countless names I'm not even gonna sit and pretend I know half of the 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 the, the uh, martyrs. So what was it hey, for Yanga. you, Lord? What the hell? Yanga, I I just wanna I just really wanna thank uh, Tatrawa. I know he has to wrap up and he has to um he has to go. So I want uh, you to gotta go, man. I had a... on. Okay, we are gonna let uh, you go. You got yes. give Tatrawa. Give me two minutes. We, I had a question, man, like, what is your biggest opposition? But I'm going to hold it because this, I'm going to hold out. You always have any time, man, a a, a a welcome here as long as we rock in the mic, brother. And I hope that you'll come back and check in with us and give us an update and everything. And soon we'll be talking about, uh, you know, how it feels to be Alderman. But yeah, <laughs> thank you so much, man. Thank you so much, yeah. brother. Real talk. I really appreciate being able to come on to this show. It's uh, always a very good discussion. And, uh, you know, we're always able to take the listeners some, uh, you know, places that we can't typically talk about on other shows. So I just really, really hey. appreciate that and really want to encourage people to go to votemysimba.org and uhuru to everybody. Uhuru. uhuru. Thank That's you so much. Well, the question is yours, and I yeah. love it. Uh, question, yeah, the question is yours. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I ain't changed. I'm 41 years old, right? And um, mm-hmm. August 9th, Mike Brown uh, was murdered, and that was an aha moment um, to me. I was searching for answers. Like, I, even before Mike Brown died, um, I had my two, my mom and dad was married 51 years, and um, 
you know, my mom had to sit in the front row at two of her her first, her two first sons murdered in '95 and '97. So I I grew up like really trying to figure out how I say black men. Um, why do these things happen? Like my mom was a great mother. My dad was in our home. He was a great father. And like, why did these things happen? And so August 9th, when Mike Brown died, um, the aha moment was meeting Chairman Amali Yeshitella. Um, Cause I always thought that, you know, I only had, I, I'm very um, equipped with the, with the Bible, with those 66 mm-hmm. books. You know, I love mm-hmm. Paul. That wrote four, you know, wrote fourteen letters. I believe he wrote um, Hebrews too, but you know that's that's a debate. But nevertheless, um, I, that's the only thing that I ever had to try to sum up my reality with, really. And um, mm. it was limited, very, very limited. And when I met Chairman, and I started understanding colonialism, um, you know, a social system, capitalism, you know, why capitalism was built on the backs of African people. That really was an aha moment. And then another aha moment was um, I met Chairman, and I was on the fence because I was really, at that point, really burnt out of anything being organized because I realized that the church had fed me a whole bunch of lies, and I was very, very hurt. And um, I participated in helping build the black grand jury. And being a part of that, and, you know, at first I'm like, why is we having a skit? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this going to do? And we organized it, and then I seen black people, 12 jurors from our community, look at every piece of um, evidence that um, the prosecutor attorney um, looked at and did exactly what the grand jury did. I was one, mm. and I was so attracted to power, um, you know, like power over my own life. And I realized mm. that I didn't have power over my own life. And at that moment, when I realized that it was nothing, I mean, I've been like, I, I got to get, I have to have power over my life. I have to have power over my kids' life. I can't lie to them. I can't tell them just because they get straight A's that they can be all they can be under this social system because that's a lie. And I won't mm-hmm. tell my kids lies. So mm-hmm. um, the aha moment for me was at 35 when I learned of Marcus Garvey for the first time in my life as well. And I knew more about Jesus and the 66 books of the Bible and who Paul was and Moses. And that's real. Very little that's about my real. own history. That's real. That's real. I can yeah. appreciate you sharing that. A lot of people won't admit that. You know, a lot of people won't admit it, admit that. So I can appreciate you sharing that. That's very real. Yeah, yeah, I had my a question. grandma used to say, ain't nobody mad but the devil. You know, <laughs> my That's grandma it. used to say that. She's like, you know, stand and tell the truth and ain't nobody mad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, ain't nobody yeah, I just gotta, mad gotta but tell the, the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I had a question and I was going to ask both of you guys and I'm glad you're here. Uh, and uh, we're, we're coming down, and by the way, we're coming down to our last little 30 minutes. So I'm not going to be all talkative. Listen, for the listening audience, if you guys want to jump in, if you have questions, if you have for the candidates specifically or the candidate for all the person of the third ward specifically, press one. We'll recognize that, man. We'll open up where you can get in this discussion. If you have general questions about the participation, because you're talking to a real live sister right here. Sister just said she's been in the uh, Justice Center for the tickets. Y'all know what time that is. You know what I'm saying? She had brothers, grandmamas up the block, homie down the street, cousin up the way. 
real folk affecting real change, like we say in the South, real folk shouting, affecting real change in the community to participate, going to be a voice, going to be heard, going to be vocal. So if you got anything you want to say about that, some of you out there may disagree. You know how y'all get down? Y'all done jumped on me when I was like, say, go, when I said go vote, oh, you a reformist now, so y'all kick Yanga's ass. So if you want to come on in, well, you may disagree. And we, you know, sister can explain why the position she's taking and is being uh, taken is, is 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 solid as a rock. I, I totally support. Listen, but I have a question. In the meantime, in between time, while we wait on people to press one, um, where do you find your biggest opposition to be? What or even who, if it's a who? What is your biggest opposition? The status quo, um, the Democrat Party is a machine. You know, mm. um, it don't sleep, and it, it, it pumps out resources to my opponent um, because they um, will continue to um, loot our community. And um, mm-hmm. we not, and I'm not just running against him, per se. I'm running against the status quo. I'm running yes. against everyone that loots our community and, you know, um, steals from our community that don't care about what's happening in our community. I'm running against the status quo. So my biggest opposition is the status quo and they machine. Mm-hmm. That um that has all the money that would do anything to keep me out of office because they know a vote for me is a vote for the people and they don't want the people to have power over their life so we can have a a beautiful third ward that is vibrant with businesses and schools and all the great things that communities should have they want our community to stay the hood they created the hood you know mm. and I want to bring our community back to what it used to be. You know, um, mm-hmm. when we had black businesses and things like that. And so I would say the biggest opposition that I'm up against is the status quo. Wow. Man, that's that that's huge. But, yo, you know, like you said, that's you clung to them 66. So you you clung to them 66 books. So you're familiar with David and Goliath. So you're not sure Daniel and the Lions Den and all that good stuff. So you're not you're, – I know yeah. you're not going to be shaking. But, but what nope. is – do you have some strategies to com- <laughs> Hey, I heard that. <laughs> so do you have some strategies uh to, you know, going into this thing? Um and, and also what can we do? And you guys out there listening, I'm saying we, that's all inclusive in a mug. I'm talking about you with me and all of that good stuff. What can we do? How can we participate? What can be done to assist and combating this beast, because that's a monster. The status quo. They got all the status and leave us with the quote. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, us brothers and sisters out there, my comrades, um, even if I haven't met you, if you've been in the struggle, we comrades. And we understand mm-hmm. that, you know, like I was talking about that Democratic machine, and it's people that dump money into the Democratic machine. We have to dump money into our own machine. And you have heard right. um, me talk, and you understand that I am the people. And you have a responsibility to take this campaign and lift it above your head, no matter where you are as well. We need the world to know. And so if you can go to um, Chitrara campaign and Columbia campaign, because these are two candidates, one movement. And the movement is a movement of black power. And so um, if you support black power, um, go on Facebook and you can um, like both pages, 
share the contents off that page. Ask your friends and family to donate by going to votecolumbiae.org, votemusimba.org, and make a donation, no matter if it's 5 or $10, because I already know that it's, mm-hmm. we all struggling, right? That's but even sure. I find right. resources to do what I want to do. So um, yeah. my grandma also wants you to tell me that where your wallet is is where your heart is. So if your heart is with black power, then it got to match your wallet. So go ahead and make that donation today. Um, make that donation um, by Let's... going to votemusimba.com or uh, votecolumbiae.com. Thank Let... you. Sister Columbia, yeah. we have a lot. Yeah, a lot of my when you you holler the names for them to even say it, let alone spell it, is going to be so. Let's get, <laughs> we may have to get some spellings. In it. We may have to get yeah. the vote. Masimba, let's start there. Vote Masimba. M A S I M B A. Masimba. Okay. Dot org, right? Dot org, yeah. Dot org, yeah. Vote December. Dot okay. org. And then Columbia is vote Columbia. That's Columbia is K A L A M B Y I. And that's vote Columbia. Dot okay. org. Mm-hmm. And okay. Masimba, I'm, I, I, I'm trying. Masimba, either Tatara or Masimba, mean we will fight, and that's who Masimba is. Like, uh, I just appreciate this comrade. Uh, he's so humble, and he disciplined himself to read everything to be able to deepen his understanding of the struggle the African people are engaged in, so he can teach and and help you to understand. Um, and he breaks it down. Like he reads these these things, and then he breaks it down. And I just really appreciate him. This um, this comrade have um, led youth programs um, in the 21st Ward, where young people had an opportunity and never would have been able to sit among someone that could teach them about, you know, Marcus Garvey and teach them about Fred Hampton, um, and also help them understand col- uh, colonial. I mean, capitalism versus socialism. And they built programs like uh, poetry events together with youth, you know, their own events, mm-hmm. writing POAs and plans of actions that they would take on for the rest of their life. Um, this is who Chachara is. This um, um, African man is a beautiful husband and father and a person of the community and will make the best senseless, I mean, sense um, candidate for the 21st Ward. And so... Um, you know, and my, you know, I just really um, appreciate you, Charlie. He's not here, but I just really stand behind this um, this brother because I have I stood and and worked with him. You know, I worked with him, and I know his integrity and um, like what he stands for. So, you know, these are campaigns that you gotta support. Gotta support. Right. Gotta support. Absolutely. That's awesome. Again, Absolutely. check it out. Again, let me say, it's vote. Masimba.org. Vote M A S I B A dot org and vote Columbia M A S I B A. Am I missing the letter? M A S I M B A. Oh, 
Boy, I'm glad we did that one. Because we need all in votes and the resources. I like the fact that you kept it 21, you know, knowing black people's uh, plight. $5, $2, $8, everything. And right, vote. Right. Columbia. K-A-L-A-M-B-Y-I. That's more of a question. <laughs> but vote Columbia. I'm sorry. B-A-Y-I. <laughs> See? See? Okay. I Listen, so it's please K- chalk K- it up to their head and not that hard. I've been slaughtering it from the introduction to the putting it out there for me. But please, the head and not the heart because you know it's all good and I'm all in. One more time, please, okay. Makeda. It's Vote Columbia, Vote K-A-L-A-M-B-A-Y-I dot org. Right on. And I'm only that Man, proficient. Let's... I'm only that proficient because I've been phone banking. So ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it ain't all love... natural. Hey, it's, you know, how is that? You, listen, you know what? You know it. We 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 landed on the last yeah, couple you know, of minutes. Yeah, you know, Makeda, I'm happy you said that. Yeah, I'm happy you said that because everybody um might not have something to give or have some limitations of why they can't give, but you still can volunteer, and that's important too. Absolutely. No matter where you at, Absolutely. you can be a part of a phone banking committee. We got something for you to do, so you can go to that same website. And say I want to volunteer. I don't know exactly what mm. volunteers look like, but I can volunteer. I can volunteer to do something. Social media, phone bank, call yeah. people, yeah. whatever. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that it's something for all of us to do. So money shouldn't stop you. You can do something, but standing there and doing nothing is not an option. Counterproductive. Right. You know, you know what though, McKayla, and I'm glad we're talking about that because we talked about the candidates and stuff like that. And I'm, you know me, man. You know I get on talking about hierarchies and minorities and the working people and all that. Da, da, da. Uh, how is it for you? You know what I'm saying? You like everyday like me, Joe Blow. People with, and we talk, and a lot of us, myself, my mouth is close to my ears, aren't really aware of the politics around us and. So a lot of times doing something like that phone banking is our first very intricate, intimate look at politics and being, how is that experience? And have you learned anything? You know what? I've, I've learned a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and one of the things, one of the things that I can say that I've learned is that everything is not as it seems, you know, we, Uh-oh. a lot of times we. Is that good or bad? Well, I mean, it it can be it can be to the good. It can definitely be to the good, but it can be to the bad too. You know, I'm sure there are some things that, you know, that that we think are that just aren't. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You think that you think that the people that are that are supposed to be um, out here as your as your leadership or as as that um, that detached you know portion of your leadership you think that they're working on your behalf and they're not. That's to the bad. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But to the good, you know, even when you see a situation and it looks hopeless, a lot of times people are just not informed. And that's, that's, you know, when you can step in and you can have conversations 
with the people that you're, you know, that you come into contact with. What I would say is is really a benefit to me is that I know Columbia. You know, she's one of my close comrades, and I know her. I know her in the sense that I understand what she stands for. So when I'm mm-hmm. talking to people, I'm not speaking from, you know, I'm not speaking from a script. I'm, you know, I am, but I'm not speaking from a script. You know, I'm speaking right, from right, a place right. that I really do know who this candidate is. I do know what she's come to do. I know what she's done. So when I, when I, you know, when I'm able to voice that, you are able to hit another place inside of people that, you know, that makes them understand, oh, you know, this is, this is what this person is. And this, you know, so this is not just somebody saying this because they were told to tell me this, you know, like this is somebody that can really vouch for it. it, it, it. <laughs> and it feels good to be able to say from a certain place um, that I know the work of both of the candidates. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just Columbia. I happen to be working on Columbia's um, campaign, but it's, both of the candidates. I know them. I know mm-hmm. what they stand for. I know what the organization organization is about, and therefore, you know, I absolutely, I you know, unequivocally stand with them on whatever it is their platform is about. You know, and I, I don't have any. Um, I don't have to do a lot of scrambling or second guessing or you know, I got questions. Mm-hmm. I might have questions about what stuff he is sometimes, but you know. Like actual uh, physical buildings, some where the paper clips. Like for real, like what right. they're about. Wait, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because I can tell these are your people because you 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 talking about your peeps. So these are your peeps. We feel you on that. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you this though. Outside of that, have you has it sparked something in you? Has this experience been one that you would participate? in other political processes outside of people you personally know to just be involved? Like, is this, has this been an experience that you say, you know what, I could do this again to be aware of what the hell's going on around here? Or is it just like, yo, outside of them doing this, I'm not really, I don't see the per, I don't, yeah, I'm not going to do this. How how has that been on a personal level? You know, we all family out here. You, um, you know what? I, Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely, would participate, and and like oh, man, uh, both Tatrawa and huh? No, I said good. I'm listening. I'm... Oh, okay. Um, both uh, Columbia and Tatrawa had mentioned earlier. You know, it's about it is about full unity. You know what I'm saying? So if as long as we're in a certain position and we unite on on these key points. If these things, you know, these things must be met, these things are in our interest, and these things must, you know, come to pass, absolutely, you know, without without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, you know, you have you have those people who actually embody that, and you can see it, you know, you can see it in, in the things that they've done, their track record, you know, as opposed to just somebody saying What's what you can see it, you know, even when it's somewhere else. And what I find to be um, helpful in all of this is that by taking part, 
in this particular campaign because it's the first time I've done it. You know, um, by taking part on this cam- in this campaign and understanding the implications for us everywhere we are across this country, you know, it opens up the whole idea that if if we're if we're creating a blueprint right here. And then other people do, you know, what they do somewhere else. You know, other uh, organizations or whatever are doing what they're what they're doing to to bring Black power into political spaces, where you know we can actually take up the space and either we're gonna draw out the contradiction or we're gonna really, really, really make some change. You know, we. we I heard that. Do it. I heard that. Um, so absolutely, the chance to be able to participate in in something like that is big. It's big, you know. Folks back in the day were were excited and amped about being able to participate in CORE and March with King. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're we're advancing our, you know, we're advancing our struggle. So the ability to take part in taking our struggle, this protracted struggle, to the next level is is you know it's monumental to me. Just to be able to play a part, I ain't got to lead nothing. Just you know, just to be able to play a right, part. Shit, to be it, right, shit, especially when it's about survival, man. If we don't get out of that, like you said, we don't get out of that leadership stuff, man. When it's about our survival and our continuity, man, for real, real. Listen, I, I have a question for Sister Club. I before we go, we're getting in our last uh, few minutes. So if you had questions, please press one. We'll try to get you in. Um, but mm-hmm. if not, man, we appreciate you guys listening and checking in. You know, you can always check us out on the blog, go back to the archives or however that thing is done when it comes to computers. I am Fred Flintstone, hence all the technical difficulties. Um, but like I said, the work has to be done. The sisters down, me and McKay, we down for doing it, getting it out there. The question I had though for um sister Columbia was the was 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 almost along was the same lines along what I asked you. And I may be jumping the gun here, sister. But after this win and after your bit as auto person, are there further political aspirations or is this just a play by ear thing right now? This is definitely um <laughs> God, there's not, no presidency in I the future. Not, <laughs> yeah, I did not wake up and decide that I was great and um I should run for office. Um and I and I say that because too many people do that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. This was a, a, a this was a decision that was um, made by the people in the third ward from having rallies and seeing what was happening in our conditions. And I was pushed forward, and I said, "I'll go if the people say that I should go. I will go and be um, the face um, to um, for you know um, to run for office." So I don't have any aspirations. You know, I want to, you know, go into go in that um, board of all the people and get a status mm-hmm. quo held so they cannot do business as usual. That is my job. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, we can appreciate you right. being efficient at it. You know what I'm saying? We can appreciate We'd have to have you guys back on again to talk about this blueprint. I've noticed that that has come up, the blueprint, the blueprint, the market or something. I don't even want to speak on it because I was catching it in a glimpse. Um, but, you know, I, I keep hearing this coming up. I think if I'm not mishearing, I, I think I'm hearing that they say the brother Tachara played a major role in it. 
Um, and you guys, so I, I listen, I can't wait to have you guys on to hear more about that, to hear the plans of the Hura movement, what we're going to do nationally. I feel, I hope everyone paid attention and caught that, that this is an international movement. Therefore, international attention is brought to it. Look to it, support it, get with it. If you just are part of your little uh, local organizations, I suggest belonging and looking into large international organizations, if not belonging to, just brushing up on it, man. I go back and check out chairman and go, you know, and you you can't never get enough of it. It's always pertinent and relative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always changing. He's always speaking to the issues and the facts. So check it out. We're, you know, we're coming in our last minutes. McKayla, did you want to say any? You know what? No, before we go, let's extend the courtesy. Sister Columbia, you've took get, taking your time, spent this time with us, went and broke, have breaking things down, right on, right and exact. When you get an opportunity, thank the brother for uh, for me. Wish him the very best in the elections. You know, you may see my little ching ching pop in there, my little change. I'm not gonna say how much I'm gonna donate, so that, but you'll see my little name pop up. Um, but in these last little few minutes, is there any closing remarks, anything you'd like to say, and let your constituents and the listeners out here know? Yes. My name is Herdosha Columbae Bentham, and with your support, I will be the next Third War Alderwoman that's unapologetic black, that that says black power matters, and we black power means that reparations to the Third Ward, and I just really, really want to salute and appreciate this show and platforms like this where black voices can be lifted and oh, black man. agendas yeah. can be pushed and black um, unity can be made. So I just really salute and appreciate this show and say revolutionary time, revolutionary solution. Columbia Herdosha Benson want to work for you. Thank you. So please go to votecolumbia.org and volunteer, um, share things from that page, support this campaign like our life depended, depend on it because it do. Right on. And we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you taking your time coming out and addressing the people because this is all it is, man. I'm the people, brother, getting the thing together, want the word to get out there. So for you to take that out and come out and uh, address the listeners, just everyday people trying to figure out how this works, how this affects them, what is this politics? And I always know I'm screaming one of the most famous phrases that are out there by Deputy Chairman Fred Ham Sr. of the uh, Illinois Black Panther Party, is when he said politics is everything, is everything is politics. So to have people come out and break that down and explain what that means, man, I can't thank you enough. And definitely when you blow up, let me, hey, listen, you know, think about you. I do your commercials. A vote for Columbia is a vote for the people. You know, I do your commercials for you. I got you. (laughs) Where are we? Keep it going, bro. <laughs> Yo, real, real talk. Be looking for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, hey, Makeda, we're coming down in the last minutes. What's up? You want to send some shouts out? I didn't any announcements need to be made. Um, what's good with 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 you? And what good vibrations, energies, and party words you have for the masses? Hey, you know what? I'm 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 on the same high I'm on from the entire show. It's for Simba. Dot org, votecolumbia.org, that is vote, M-A-S-I-M-B-A.org, and vote, K 
K-A-L-A-M-B-A-Y-I.org. Go visit, you know, um, go visit those websites. Become familiar with the platform. Support it in whatever way you can. Come out, volunteer. I am the um, phone banking coordinator. I need help. So, you know, I'm I'm making my plea, my call right here on the radio show. If you want to be on my team, you know, just go to that site and find out how you can uh, volunteer. And, you know, they'll get you in with me. They'll get you in with me. If um, mm-hmm. you have the time, if you have the heart, and you really, you know, you really see the importance of this and the implication that it has in your own life and your own ability to take part in something that's bigger and can, you know, that's, that's actually speaking to our interests as a people, as a whole people, not just a community here in St. Louis or, you know, somewhere in, in one little area, but as a whole people and how it affects us. You know, please support these two candidates and volunteer and donate. Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. Love. That's love. That's Listen, let me let me jump on and just reiterate everything she just said. Listen, people everywhere, black people everywhere. First, let's start with our people in St. Louis. Here is a time to participate in direct political action. I mean, you can be effective at no other time, is there, especially when we're talking about this politics and dealing with this system, that you can participate directly and see the end results of your participation. It has to be wonderful. It's like the fruits of your labor right there, baby. Heaven on earth. Right. Who wouldn't grasp that? So definitely do that. Us nationally that have our eyes on this, that have been blessed to really uh, um, share with the, with the candidates, with the people taking their time out and sharing with us, here it is. Let this serve as inspiration and motivation, man. This is a, blow, uh, a blueprint. Keep your eyes out. We're going to watch. Let's participate and support. Let's be a part of this momentous moment. I love what, like, Makeda just broke it down for us people that like to be part of a winning team. Yo, this is like being part of CORE and SNCC and the Black Panthers and everything that was that you Negroes love to holler about that you, you're, re, you're emulating and you're recreating. Here's an opportunity to really be a part of that so you won't be lying to your grandchildren when you said you did something. You know what I'm saying? Even if you only donate right. money, you just be exaggerating. Yeah, you know, I used to fund that, you know. <laughs> they call me Danny Fat Sacks. So at least, you right, know, right. have, have something to be able to tell them, we can do it, we can do it. I believe in you because I believe in us. As an African people, man, that's what it's all about. If we're not free here, they're not free there. If they're not free in Africa, we're not, right. you know, free here. And into it all, Zionism, criminal settlerism, colonial settlerism, all of every evil, ugly that, is, ugly that has been perpetrated against the backs of every uh, people of color, specifically, I'm talking about us black peoples. Yo, we right. can end it. We can start knocking uh, and breaking that chain. And it starts right here with these two wonderful people who have graced us with their presence on this show. But they can't do it themselves. They are African, so they know the tribal concept. They know it takes a society it's all about, really, it is about, you know, African socialism. It's all about the socialization, the society that we're going to create. And that society, society is only as strong as the people, and the people are only strong as the participation they put into that society. So we got to participate for own self-determination, liberation of freedom. With that, I'm going to leave you. Yo, with that, I'm going to leave you. Like I say on this show, we'll cool, wake up, clean up, stand up, king up, 
cleanup and all that good stuff. But I'm going to leave you with my personal greeting because the show was so personal, so cool to me. And that's how I to leave you. And that's all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. Ahuru. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body. This hood politics acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee, I duck. Could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst. A fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown. Look rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun, and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick of kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die.